Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined, as always, by Dave and Becky. And this is, as improbable as it may have seemed just a few short months ago, an Eastern Conference preview edition of this podcast as the New York Rangers have moved on in the Stanley Cup playoffs and are halfway home, eight wins down, eight wins to go. They defeat the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday night, Memorial Day in Game 7, final score of 6-2. to two. We're going to talk about all that, and then, of course, we are going to preview the Eastern Conference final date, which just seems appropriate, given that this is the team the Rangers faced the last time they were here, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Becky and Dave, how are we doing on a warm uh, 31st of May as we record this, but as we gear up for June hockey, and no matter what the season structure is when you're playing hockey in June, that's always a good thing. Doing phenomenally. Just fantastic, guys. I am superb. I went through my first day back from my honeymoon at work, knowing that we were recording tonight, getting to talk Rangers, even though I only really watched three games so far. And I couldn't ask for a better way to kick things off after putting up 11 goals against Carolina in two games. Yeah, so much uh, has been said about the Rangers, especially now with more eyeballs on them and them forcing everybody else to take notice, you know, for a team that is original six, biggest media market in the league, the Rangers often get passed over in the national conversation or the, you know, the U.S.-Canada conversation. It's always about the Leafs. It's always about Connor McDavid, the Tampa Bay Lightning, rightfully so, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And as the Rangers have sort of gone about their business over the last four years rebuilding this team, they thrust themselves into that conversation by playing the way they have since January or February and now doing what they've done in the playoffs, officially going deep and declaring themselves a contender maybe a year or two ahead of schedule. So I want to go back, though, to the first period of Game 7 because I think we all probably felt varying degrees of nervousness and maybe a little bit of, hey, you know, are they really going to pull this off again? Um, And they get those two quick goals in the first eight minutes. So, Dave, I want to ask you first, what's going through your head as the Rangers grab a 2-0 lead in Game 7 and things start to look real at that point? I don't know if they looked real for me at that point. So I had the 2-0 lead and I'm still going... Oh shit, 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 get out of the period, get out of the period, get out of the first period, get out of the period, get out of the period. I was sitting there muttering to myself, and my wife was looking at me like I had two heads wondering who the hell I was talking to, which she should know better by now. And I didn't feel safe until Strom had the third goal, right? Until Strom, well first, Strom, I don't know how he missed the first shot. I the ESPN didn't show any replays at all, and that really bothered me. But that was crazy. I, no replays. Of that. Yeah, no replays. He, uh, we can maybe talk about ESPN coverage too. After I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have some thoughts. Yeah, I was disappointed, but they. I, I don't know what the hell he did on that first one. He had a wide open net, and uh, I don't know if uh, Coke, uh, Peter made the Coach save. Yeah. yeah, him. Peter, Peter, I'm just going to call him Peter, made the save or not. We don't know what happened, but then he comes back, and that was a perfect shot. Low blocker, and then I started to breathe. And I said, okay, they might actually do this. Because defensively, aside from that flurry with five minutes or so remaining in the first... The Rangers really did a good job keeping Carolina to the outside. Chesty didn't have to do much. After the Strom goal, I started to feel confident. And then I was just really thoroughly enjoying the takes about the Rangers never really facing a real goalie. But And then it's like, oh, Auntie Ranta is not a real goalie. Like Auntie Ranta will be a starter on 25 teams if he didn't get hurt all the time. So miss me with that shit. And he played out of his mind. Yeah, and he played that's, a fantastic and that's like series. Rob's like biggest gripe. 
I know. I'm not even going to talk about it because, like, I want to give Rob all of the the space to vent about that because that's been, like, his thing for the last 24 hours has been, like, you can't have it both ways. So I'm just going to hang tight. But, yeah, making people mad is, like, truly, deeply one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Like, everyone well, so wait. is big mad. Well, so tell me where you were uh, emotionally throughout the game. So I just picked the first period because it was, you know, pretty surprising. But as Dave said, otherwise, it was pretty dicey. That was definitely Carolina's best period. They really pushed. Igor had to make, I think, 16 or 17 saves in the period. And then I agree with you, Dave. The Rangers really did lock it down well from from about the middle of the first. Like you said, a little bit of a flurry through the rest of the game. But yeah, Becky, when did you start to believe? I think that's the question here. I started to believe in like January, um, but I'm sure you did. You have receipts. Uh, I do have receipts. Um, I uh, I felt nauseous the whole time, the whole time. Like when it was when they got their second when the Hurricanes got their second goal, I was nauseous. I'm like there's too much time left. Which made and it I, five two with like three and a half minutes left, right? Too much time. Even then, yeah. and I like I looked at. Um, so I do. Before I even had like betting apps, whatever, like if I was in Vegas or if I was somewhere that there was a casino, I always put $20 on the New York Rangers to win the Stanley Cup every year. And now I also do it the Mets just because like those are my 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 guys. But um, I look I went to go look on my betting app to see if there was a cash out available because actually after game five. No, after game six, I believe there was like a dot, like I bet $20 and the cash out available was like $21.60 or something. So I went to go see if there was a cash out because for me, that's like, okay, well, Vegas is like getting on board here. Um, And I looked at the Stanley Cup futures and the Hurricanes were not, um, were no longer listed in the futures. It was just the Oilers, the Avalanche the uh, lightning and the rangers and I like broke into a cold sweat I was like oh my god oh my god this is a mush oh my god they're gonna lose oh my god like I don't know what to do yeah it's not I mean like we had people over and and one of my friends is she's like she's watching the games and everything she's a more casual hockey fan than kind of the rest of us and she's like oh three nothing that's good and I was like three nothing is very bad three nothing is awful we don't want three nothing she's like okay so is four nothing good I'm like yes it is but we got to get there so no I'm always nervous I'm a bundle of nerves every fucking game every second of every game it's painful like I watch playoffs and I'm like why did I pray for this it's just it hurts but then you know why because when you win a game seven it's Amazing. Well, you're also nervous Which, because Rob brought it up in like the first three minutes of, hey, we're facing Tampa again in the Eastern Conference Final, and I died a little on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we'll we'll get to that. I mean, and I, I mean, I'm honestly hopeful. I feel like, you know, but aside from the, the Rangers are playing with house money thing, which I think is a little bit of a coping mechanism for stressed out fans, to be honest with you, because you get this deep into it. Now you want to win it. You know, now, no matter what you do, if you don't win it, it will feel like a missed opportunity. I hate to say it that way, but it will. Uh, and I think if you ask a guy like Chris Kreider that, if you ask a guy like, uh, who knows, Jacob Truba or Temi Panarin, you know, maybe the young guys don't count here. But um, a guy like Kreider who went through a bunch of these and then had to wait seven years, seven long years, including a full rebuild, rebuild to get back to this stage – he would tell you you don't get this many chances at this. Now, look, they are coming up against probably the most formidable opponent opponent you can imagine in Tampa Bay. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them in a second. But, yeah, look, this series was, even though it went to seven games, it was miles better than what the Rangers did against Pittsburgh. You know, the Rangers, for a majority of that Pittsburgh series, were just trying to keep their head above water. And they kind of scrambled back into every game with kind of improbable, amazing heroics. This looked and felt a lot more like your traditional classic playoff series, right? There was tight checking games. There yeah. were there were big momentum swings. Even though Carolina won on the shot clock, they didn't always win, at least decidedly, on the expected goals battle. This is something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, especially when we have Rob Luker on. 
the Rangers don't need to dominate scoring chances and expected goals, not with their shooting talent and goaltending. They just need to be about break-even, and they were pretty much break-even in this series. If you looked at Steve Valaket's numbers with the ClearSight Analytics and his expected goals model, the Rangers, I think, won three of the last four games in terms of, in terms of expected goals. That's all situations. So they I trust Valley's numbers yeah. a lot more than the public models. The public models scrape yes. data, and there are issues. Valley's team tracks manually and they have and valley's got the mind to be able to you know figure out high danger medium danger low danger i'm getting away from i know a complete tangent i'm getting away from the public models but they're a great great tool and these are fantastic people making these models but there are holes that people can't explain you know what was it 200 stat guys can't explain why the rangers are winning or some shit like that uh, yeah, I saw actually Tango Tiger, who's uh, MLB like like the data engineer statistician. Like he tweeted something really good, and maybe I'll just retweet it from the pod account. But basically, like it's like it's group th- it's groupthink. Like everyone's just saying the same thing right all the time, and in different ways and trying to differentiate themselves. But like there's there's no one. I don't want to say no one because I I don't. I've sampled everyone, I guess, but it feels very much like very few people who rely on the stats want to use anything other than the stats. So that's your thing. That's your thing. And like, there's a reason why they're so important. There's a reason why stats matter, but it can't be everything and all and be all. I also thought just kind of to touch on uh, something that you just said was they don't have, um, you, you know, with, with the shooting talent that the Rangers have, they, they don't need to be, they don't need to win every ex, like expected goals battle, right? Rod Brindamore even said that in his kind of like exit interview. He's like, like, he didn't say it about the Rangers, but someone asked him the question. He was basically like, our guys are good, but like maybe elite finishers like we need, you know? And yeah. He was yes. very candid about that. Yes. That's important. <laughs> Somebody, uh, yeah. I forgot who it was, who said, I saw this mid-game, said, you know, if you're a volume shooting team, meaning you're scoring based off of the number of shots you take, it means you're a shitty shooting team and you're relying yeah. on just something eventually going in. And we yep. saw that. Ajo disappeared. Tara Vinan disappeared. D'Angelo disappeared. Odarn. Svechnikov. Svechnikov disappeared and took penalties. I mean, yep. Ian Cole had more goals than Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah. Igor Shostakhin had more points than Tony D'Angelo. Well, not more. And they Svechnikov. Were many, yeah. yeah. But Svechnikov only at one point in the series. I mean, no, it's that's all true. And I also think that... What people often overlook, especially when you just rely on, again, something that is still very, you know, it's based on the public data. You mentioned the potential errors and kind of where the shot tracking goes on that, on that stuff, Dave. Um, and, and this actually goes back a little bit to something that was brought up last, last night by both the ESPN crew, who, again, we can talk a little bit about them, but also the MSG crew, um, how much credit Jeff Gordon deserves, right, for building a majority of this roster. And... The Rangers are intentionally built the way they are. This is, I think, the thing people miss when they analyze this team. They are not supposed to be a volume-shooting team like Carolina. They're they're not supposed to be a strictly north-south team. Now, of course, yes, more north-south play, especially situationally, is always welcome and is often needed in the playoffs. But they are a team that thrives on Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, even guys like now Alexi Lafreniere contributing, some of the other young skill players, Philip Hedel, on making east-west plays, on beating defensemen one-on-one, on making goaltenders move, and scoring on quality chances. And the Rangers do not need 20 quality chances like Carolina does to get three goals. They need 10. And that is what makes them better. That's what makes them for real. And I think anybody who wants to look at me and tell me, well, this team's lucky and they're only facing third-string goalies, and they're relying on Jacob Truba knocking out the other team's best block, all the bullshit excuses, they're not true. The Rangers are a real team. They're a real contender right now. And again, like I said, they, they now have a real chance to do something special when they face Tampa Bay. So, um, <clears throat> look, let's close it out a little bit. Just with first, the point, I, you know, Becky, you alluded to this earlier, just the thing about the goalies and Auntie Ranta. At the beginning of every Carolina home game, ESPN would show the graphic of Ranta's home and road splits, right? 
And up until game seven, he had something like a 980 save percentage at home. So to me, and, and, and as much as I don't hate the ESPN broadcast as much as you guys or you, Becky, particularly, and I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, it did really bother me last night when both Ray Ferraro and Sean McDonough were saying, well, you know, the Rangers have had a luxury of facing third string goalies, especially after Ronta went out. You can't say that after pushing the narrative for the whole series that Ronta has been unbeatable at home. It can't be both. Either the Rangers are facing subpar goaltending or the Rangers are facing great goaltending. Pick, pick a lane. I'm in the camp of you, Dave, that I think Antti Ranta is a very, very good goalie. I agree with you that he's probably a starter on 20, 25 teams in the NHL if he could stay healthy and if given the opportunity. He was certainly starting caliber throughout the playoffs against Boston and the Rangers, two very good teams. And yet ESPN helped push this narrative that, oh, the Rangers have been very uh, lucky to face the goaltending they have. That's what bothered me the most. I don't know if you guys have other thoughts on the broadcast, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Be consistent with your takes and your narratives, ESPN, and you know, God knows we're going to hear enough about Vasilevsky and Shesterkin in the next couple of weeks anyway. So more goaltending takes to come, I suppose. I mean, I think it's like part of Rangers fandom that you fucking dread facing a backup. Like when they were like, "Oh, Tristan Jari is going to come in for Game Seven in Pitt," I was like, "Thank you, Jesus." And I'm not even Catholic, and I still was thanking Jesus. Like it's a good, it's a good thing. Like, I mean, listen, Andre Vasilevsky is insane. I, I know that Dave thinks he's overrated um, and a goalie. I am not, but he's a big time player and it's it's going to be tough. Like Tampa's legit. It's going to be tough. But at the same time, like that's not a real fucking thing. It's not a real like. Oh, they played third string. They played, okay, yeah, like Louis Domingue stumpified them. Stupefied? Stumpified? Whatever it is. Both? Like, fuck them up. Fuck the Rangers up. Fucking Louis Domingue. Like, no disrespect to him. He is a far and away better athlete than any of us. But, like, he should not, like, the Rangers are good offense. Like, it should not have been that hard for them to beat him. So... I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into it. I'm kind of more into, like, okay, well, they're a bunch of veterans, and, like, they've won this thing back-to-back, and they weren't supposed to beat Florida, and yet here we are, like, at stat people. Like, let's, you know, I'm more into being nervous about that than I am nervous about Vasilevsky. He's excellent. We've beaten him this year. He's not unbeatable. If he turns it into, like, a 17th dimension and just shuts the Rangers out every game, then, like, what – there's only so much you could do. Like a hot goalie is a hot goalie. Uh, Vasilevsky put up a 980 save percentage in the sweep of Florida. So it wasn't like yeah, Tampa three was goals. this amazing team. I mean, listen, if Vasilevsky stops 98% of the Rangers shots, the Rangers are going to get swept too. Sorry. It's just, yeah. that's just fact. Yes. And I do think Vasilevsky is overrated. That doesn't mean he's not a good goalie. I just think he's overrated. I think people think he's well, God in net, and he's not. He is not Henrik Lundqvist th- in net. I'm sorry. Do you think that because uh, – do you think it's a little bit of a Martin Brodeur situation, Dave, where the yes. defense and the structure around him is yes. so good? Yes, yeah. I like that because John Cooper is a phenomenal head coach. I know Becky hates him, but he's a phenomenal I head coach. I hate his face. <laughs> But, uh, listen, Martin Brodeur was still a a great goalie. He was a Hall of Fame goalie, but he was definitely padded by those Devils teams and that structure. Same thing can be said for Vasilevsky. I would love to see what he could do with the David Quinn Rangers in front of him or the AV Rangers in front of him in that style of play. But, you know, he doesn't have that. He has the luxury of a very well-coached, very deep, very strong defensive Tampa team. And all he has to do is stop the low-danger and mid-danger shots. And the Rangers are, should not, I'm not going to say are not, they should not get the same number of high-danger chances that they were getting earlier in the playoffs, specifically against Pittsburgh, not so much against Carolina. But one thing on ESPN, I'm totally changing gears. Show some fucking replays. It took us 45 minutes to see the Troopa hit on Jarvis. We never saw the Strom miss. I don't know what the hell happened there. And there was something else. Uh, it was the Antiranta injury that 
Yeah. It was another 20 minutes until we saw what happened. And they're like, oh, Kreider bumped him. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, there was incidental contact, and then Ranta made a split save and tore his lower body in half. Yeah, and the contact had nothing to do with the injury. Yeah, um, the, yeah they, were, they did not have a good angle on the Jarvis hit. And, and what they did have, you're right, they definitely delayed those replays. They d- did not show a, a, high, a replay. Maybe they did between periods from another angle on the Strom miss, which was a Kochetkov save. It, it, he basically shot it a little bit back, and Kochetkov had gone into the splits and made like a left pad save, but still Strom had half an empty net and just didn't yeah. shoot it at the empty half, um, which is pretty <laughs> classic Strom. Because like you said, he then comes back 30 seconds later and just makes an inch-perfect shot, you know, low blocker inside the post. Um just the Ryan Strom experience, right? The full, the full thing right there. I think Connor Rogers, who was on the pod earlier this year, tweeted that. Um, yeah, look, Tampa Bay, the dirty little secret about Tampa Bay is that everybody thinks they're this, like, high-flying offensive team and they have all this great talent. And, yes, look, Kucherov, Point, Samkos, Hedman, they got plenty of offense. They are actually th- probably the best shutdown team of the modern era. That's what they do. They shut you down. They did it to the Rangers in 2015 twice. That's It's a painful memory that we live far too often around these parts. And now we finally have a chance to potentially uh, rectify that and, and, and you know, get even on that. But they shut teams down. They just they do a little bit what those devils did from those, you know, those late 90s and early 2000s teams did. Of course, there's more shots on goal now. I mean, there's I think I saw something. I think Larry Brooks alluded to it in one of his columns. He was writing. I think he was comparing. um I think the way the Rangers bounced back, and he had mentioned the, the, the Maple Leafs uh, of those years. I think one game seven against Brodeur, the Leafs only got six total shots on goal. So that gives you a sense of just what Martin Brodeur was looking at sometimes in a big spot and how good the defense was in front of him. Um, the game is different now. There's, you know, God willing, the Rangers are going to get more than six shots on goal in a game. And like you said, Dave, if that's not the case, they're going to get swept. But, you know, the point is, is that Tampa Bay presents an even more um, structured and challenging team to play against than Carolina. Because Carolina, while they're structured and they never change their style of play, that ended up being their Achilles heel, right? They basically played the exact same style. They didn't change up their lines really all that much. They, didn't, they don't change up their forecheck. They don't change up their neutral zone. Everything's always just go, go, go. The defenseman pinch. And the Rangers got really comfortable playing against that style by game three of the series and they won four out of five right after uh, after dropping the first two in Carolina so um, Tampa's a whole other a whole other ball of wax here but I still think for some reason all that said you have to like the Rangers chances in this series and I don't know about you guys uh, Becky I'll start with you but my optimism I think is higher for this series than it was for the Carolina series 1000% mine too um, I definitely feel feel better about this series than I feel like I guess let me rephrase this were it the previous round so if it were round two and I it was between the lightning and the hurricanes and I had to choose like who I wanted to play I would have preferred playing the lightning I'm nervous now because it's ECF versus the lightning and I have PTSD from seven years ago but um I think a normal person might say that they would prefer the lightning as well um, I also want to like backpedal for a second about ESPN. They also didn't show um, Georgiev shaking hands with Tony D'Angelo. They like oh, literally cut away right then. And I don't like even like like people who are professionally like I think it was Staple was like like big foul there. Like called out ESPN. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and also, if I have to watch that behind the net camera, I'm going to vomit all over my teeth. Like, I, I hate that. I don't know who that's geared toward. I don't know who that's appealing to. Maybe I'm, like, old man yelling at the clouds or whatever. But, like, I hate that angle. Like, I hate that angle so much. You see, I don't mind that angle. I hate it. I hate it. I like seeing – so – I like seeing kind of just the play develop, and it's easier from that angle. Uh, uh, Becky, if you had to pick between the behind-the-net camera angle that you're seeing or that, like, random zoom-in from the corner on one guy that gives you, uh, you know, you wind up getting whiplash trying to go back and forth between it, which one would you pick? I don't really know what this other angle is, so I'm going to pick that one. I hate the behind-the-net camera. Like, 
I, I don't I'm not the goalie. I don't wanna watch what the goalie sees. I wanna watch from like my cute little and they like the other thing about ESPN too is that like they cut they cut the angles, like they, they switch the cameras in a, like almost like a jarring way. It's like very like oh like I, I need to like orient myself to figure out where we are. Yeah, like I think when the puck goes in the corner, they'll like they'll like go to like a very tight close up of like the guy in the corner getting the puck. Yeah. Because I think they're trying to catch like a big hit with a close up or they're trying whatever. And then yeah, you like snap back to like the main view and it can be disorienting because you don't know where the puck is. Yeah. That is exactly but, what I was talking about. And yeah. But yeah, they they're they're like Marvel movies with their jump cuts. It's really yeah. annoying. It's I an really, active, I'm like yeah. not a fan at all. Yeah, I mean, look, I think for the most part, I disagree with the quibbling on the announcers. I think Sean McDonough's good play by play, well prepared, you know, doesn't make silly mistakes. I think Ray Ferraro is a great analyst. I don't think there's much anti-Ranger bias there. I know that there was a lot of, during the series, Becky, like they would say, well, Igor Shosturkin working on a shutout, and then he'd give up a goal, you know, that that kind of thing. But, you know, I think they're relaying the right information at the right time. I do think Ferraro is fantastic. Um, I don't think he has any bone to pick with the Rangers. I know some people think he does. But, um, uh, yeah, generally I like their talent. Um you know, I think Emily Kaplan's caught some really nice moments, including mm-hmm. the Tyler Mott postgame interview. Um, so she's and she asks she's, really good questions. How about I think when she's they were fantastic? Sorry, go for it. Yeah, when no, and they. I think we're gonna say the same thing. I think she's fantastic. I want to preface that, but like her asking Brenda Moore about pulling Ronto yep. and Ronto was right in front of him. <laughs> Sent me to fucking Jupiter. Like, that was hilarious. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm sitting there like, that's Ronta in front of her. What the hell? And I, like, love Auntie Ronta, too. I think he's such a wonder. Like, he's, like, the one ranger that I'm, like, I, like, I don't know. I, oh, I, well, I He could come back to us. Like, I love uh, him. But I think every... Um, I think every fan with a heart also felt bad for him in that moment yes. when he got hurt in, in Game 7. Yes. Yeah. And they were all calling him an AHL goalie. Like, it's, like, literal, like insult to injury or injury to insult, like whatever. Yeah. No, so uh, what I want to do before we move on, I know we want to get to the fan questions, which will definitely lead to playing more discussion anyway, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it. We've been talking about this, the Rangers, for the last 28 minutes or so, and we've barely talked about any of the players. And I think I just want to take maybe each of us, you know, let's give out our playoff MVP to this point um, because there's so many candidates to choose from. I have I have one in mind, but I actually, I think you both know who I'm going to say, so I'm going to go a different direction here. Um, and then maybe we'll do like an honorable, honorable mention thing. But like, for me, actually, I'm just going to come out and say that it's, it's Mika Zibanejad. And basically since he was unshackled from the Sidney Crosby thing, now not only by the Jacob Truba hit and the injury, but also I think he just realized like, I need to go play my game and stop worrying about trying to, you know, contain Sidney Crosby. He's been lights out, unbelievable, the best all-around player for the Rangers in the playoffs. Obviously leads them in scoring, but every time I look up, he's back-checking, knocking the puck away, intercepting a pass, holding it on, holding onto it in the neutral zone to let his team, you know, come into the place so they can keep possession, keeping a puck in, again, coming back and playing defense. And then, oh yeah, he's scoring, you know, 19 points in 14 playoff games, which is, you know, putting him on pace to have one of the greatest playoff, you know, runs of any in, in Ranger history. So... For me, it's Mika. I'll go to you guys now. How about you, Dave? So this is the non-Shesty category, right? Yeah, let's say non-Shesty because we know he he's really the guy. All right. So I you said Zabanajad. I have to go Adam Fox. And I was really on Fox initially to start the Penguin series. I was on basically anybody who earned more than 750K to start the Penguin series, but Fox has, I think he just set a record for a number of points by a defenseman in an elimination game scenario or something to that effect. Granted, the Rangers have played five elimination games already, but I think he has like nine points or something like that. That's absurd. Mm -hmm. That's Chris Kreider, you know, that's big dick Chris Kreider category right here. And, you know, he... Whenever the Rangers need something, he's either making the breakout pass, 
getting the primary assist or in Game 7. He's just taking that screen in front and using it and putting the puck on net. And it worked. It's got to be Fox for me. I like that pick. Becky? I'm picking Philip Heedle. Ooh, I like that pick. Yeah, love it. I just, I mean, like, he's a man now. <laughs> that backhander. Yeah. That backhander. Holy shit, that was a shot. Holy shit, indeed. And- he is like, I mean, he got... Uh, it's it's beautiful to see. I guess like he got hurt and like he was kind of like not that great. And like I have said on this podcast, I could take him or leave him. And I'm such an asshole for that statement. And I will call myself out when I'm wrong. And I, oh, I was wrong. Like just well, but but listen. I mean, look, the guy was a healthy scratch, and he was a healthy scratch in like February. Like this is not that long ago. And he's a completely different player. So I mean, and he has now three goals in in in. Uh, he, uh, he has four goals in the playoffs. I think he had three in the series, or now he has five in the play. I can't, don't have it in front of me. But, I mean, he has been the engine. The kid line has been great. I think Lafreniere leads them all out of the three of them. He has seven points in the playoffs, which is a pretty good number for a 20-year-old kid. But, I, I mean, Becky, he's been a, he's been a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, sure has. I mean, the other thing that just is a great sign for things to come. Now, obviously, look, I'm not thinking at all about next season or, or any of that stuff, but... It bodes so well for the future of the Rangers, how well all of the young kids have played. Um, They all look like playoff-ready players, and that normally doesn't happen overnight. I mean, Chris Kreider is the one example I could think of where, you know, he stepped in as a 20-year-old in in 2012 and scored big goals right away. But he was also not playing in that much, even in 2014 at times. He was, you know, down the lineup. I don't think he was ever ever scratched in the 14 playoffs, but, um, you know, it took him a while. It took him a few years to really become consistent. These kids... Every time Gallant put them on the ice, and, and granted they're not getting huge ice time, but they made the most of their minutes. The puck is in the other team's end. They're hounding the puck. The, the Heedle goal in Game 7 was because Capo Caco forces a turnover at the Carolina blue line. They, they were coming out of the puck. It was like a two-on-one. Carolina was just trying to chip it up the wall and get it out. Caco, one hand on the stick, knocks it forward. Heedle's in behind everybody and scores on the breakaway. So um, just tremendous stuff and, uh, you know, couldn't be happier for those kids who are contributing in a real way to this run. So, all right, let's um, let's get to the fan questions because you know it's been a couple weeks since we did a show. Obviously, Dave's been away, um, you know, on his Mediterranean adventure. Um, <laughs> we had we had Connell on the show a couple of weeks ago, who correctly called it. By the way, I want to give him props that he said the Rangers couldn't lose a game at home and needed to steal one in Carolina in order to get the win in the series. That's exactly what they did. So. Becky, over to you for the fan questions. They, they just happened to steal literally the last one, like the most nerve-wracking one. Yeah, they waited They waited as long as possible. Yo, guys, it's the second period. It is 6-3. Oh. to three. What the hell? 6-3, to three, and my, my goal-scoring parlay, I only am like one of three. I'm like, everyone and their mother scored. I think, like, freaking Darcy Kemper scored, and, like, I don't... It's bullshit. I'm annoyed at myself right now. I saw somebody tweet that Kemper and uh, Mike Smith are in a suck-off, and all I could think about was phrasing. <laughs> oh, my God. That phrasing is not good. <laughs> that phrasing no, is I know. Awesome. I, like, I, you know, it's amazing that, like, I, I saw the, t- the tweet today that either the NHL posted or something that was, like, uh, Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky is going to be, like, a goalie off, and, like, all I could think of is, like, how much of a shit show the Battle of Alberta was from a goalie perspective and apparently the western conference finals are also going to be a shit show so it's going to be real fun when whoever wins that plays whoever wins the east because you want to talk about playing a fucking ahl goalie yeah anyway. well and 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 apparently teams who for them it's defense optional i mean if the, look yeah. the goaltending is aside if the score is 6-3 after less than half a half a game of hockey in the nhl playoffs stanley cup playoffs that means to me that neither team really cares too much about playing defense. I, I Look, I know everyone wants to see skill and goals and all that stuff. And, and we saw plenty of it from the Rangers against a very good defensive team in the second half of the Carolina series. You have got to try and play some defense. And, and the Rangers, I think also, by the way, as they've grown into the, these playoffs, they've gotten much better at that. I mean, Dave, you said earlier, at the sh- you know, earlier in the show, their structure's a lot better now. They're keeping teams to the outside. Yes, they're giving up you know, perimeter shots and a lot of volume, but that's easy for their goalie. Tampa plays a very similar style. Let Vasilevsky see the puck. Hey, Florida, we don't care if you throw 49 shots at him. 
we are going to limit you to only four or five high danger ones, and we're going to bank on Vasilevsky stopping those. So similar game plans, and I think that does lead to low-scoring hockey because it's patient, and it you know it forces the other team into bad shots. So anyway, a little tangent there, but let's go to the uh, questions. Okay. So first one comes from Russell's Brussels. He asks, and I think, a, well, no, not a couple of people asked this, so take that back. Small sample size with Goodrow, but who's having the bigger impact since returning from injury, Goodrow or Mott? Personally, I'm stoked to have them both back. It's kind of insane how good the lineup is at full strength, thinking ahead to a Blaze return. Blaze return. Blaze return. Sammy Blay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't know. Who wants to take this oh, one? Who's, been, who's had a bigger impact? So... When Mott came back, Dryden Hunt came out of the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. And then when Goudreau came back, Kevin Rooney came out of the lineup, but it should be Ryan Reeves. Um, based off of who they replaced, I have to go with Tyler Mott. They acquired Mott for the specific reason of keeping Hunt out of the lineup. I like Dryden Hunt, but he should not be an everyday player. And... As soon as Mott came back, the Rangers looked better defensively against uh, the Penguins. Mm -hmm. So, Goodrow was icing on the cake. But, you know, this is like a Carvel cake, and Mott was like that layer of cookie crumble in the middle. Mm, Where, where, (laughs) whereas Goodrow was like, you have to get the superior icing on top of that cake. I like where you're going with this analogy. This is great stuff. Especially coming off the back of a 90-degree day. <laughs> um, I, I'll i make the argument for Goodrow, which is the leadership, the two cups. You know, it's funny. They, everyone talks about how, how Tampa Bay has won 10 straight playoff series. So has Barkley Goodrow now, right? Because he was on both those teams, and now he's been on a Ranger team that's won uh, two, two series here. So, I mean, I'm slightly tongue-in-cheek, of course. But, look... The calm that he brings, and they didn't even really need to do this uh, in the Carolina series, but just wait until they're in a tight game with Tampa Bay in this, you know, hopefully in this in this uh, series upcoming here, you know, and he gets a shift with, you know, say Mika and Cop, or he gets a shift with Strom and and Cop, or, or he's out there with Mott, um, and say, you know, maybe they they put, um, you know, I don't know, but but basically the point is he'll get some more shifts later in the game in defensive game-closing moments. And that is exactly what he was signed for, right? I mean, he had a huge, couple of huge blocks last night on the penalty kill. Um, those are winning plays. Those are exactly the types of plays that, you know, it's easy to look at the contract six years, over $3.5 million, and say, wow, that's insane. But I said it when, when he signed the contract. The Rangers don't care about years four, five, and six of that contract. You can sit there in July and tell me that that's bad asset management. You're a bad GM. I'm sitting here in June the team is still playing, and I'm telling you it matters, and I'm telling you he's worth every penny. So take it or leave it. Maybe we'll be having a different conversation in 2025 when that contract's starting to look bad, but if the Rangers have a couple of Stanley Cup rings, I don't think any of us are going to care very much. So um, that's the argument for Goodrow. Stanley Cup rings. Yeah. I like that confidence. I I like it. Well, listen, and that's why you get Goodrow. That's why you pay a premium for him. Yeah, I'm not going to be a tiebreaker here. I think Mott has had a really important, like, I think he, the series turned around against Pittsburgh when he came back. Like, period. Mm-hmm. It was, they were sloppier and they got much less sloppy, much more defensive minded. The fourth line was not like a complete fucking black hole. Um, but then Barclay Goodrow married Max Domi's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Wait, and what? And they brought him in. Oh, right. You didn't oh, yes. know this? Max Domi dated Barclay Goodrow's current wife, who, by the way, like, this is not the point, but, like, she is stunning. Like, a beautiful human being. Just absolutely stunning. Anyway, I can't believe Max Domi, like, landed that. Anyway, um, he married he married Domi's ex-girlfriend, and then he came back in an elimination game against Max Domi, which to me is my favorite 40 chess move that Gallant has ever pulled ever. So <laughs> that's uh that's that's what he brings. And no, I mean it's that's kind of a joke or kind of not a joke, but 
I think they're both super important. And a lot of people have asked about Blay, and we'll get into it as we go through the questions because we've got a lot of them, which is exciting. But um, this team at full strength, I agree with you. Charty McDennis, whatever your name is, um, that I, too, am stoked about this lineup. Next question comes from our very own Rob Luker. He <laughs> asked the question, now that we're out of the Carolina series, can we shift the burn your new place down requirement to someone else who is moving? Uh, backstory, it's just facts. Um, our friend Paul went through this. Rob and I went through this. If you move and then the Rangers lose the first game that you watch in your new place, you have to burn your house down. It's just the rules. I didn't make them up. Rob didn't make them up. Dave didn't make them up. They're just the rules. What I guess Luker doesn't know is that it's literally only for that next, that first game. So, Luker, you've been safe since game six. Yeah, since game six, since they won that one. So, you're good to go. Enjoy the new house. Mazel tov. And then he asks, also, what is faster, a Heedle backhand or a Concord jet? Oh, God. And I'm going to say a Heedle backhand because Concord doesn't make jets anymore. I mean, we were talking about Heedle and his – look, his skill set is exactly why he was picked where he was in the draft, right? He, he's a first-round pick when he puts it all together, and you see why. And, and maybe even higher than 21st overall or whatever, whatever he went in that draft. Um, incredible shot. Incredible skater. You know, just deceptively great speed, you know, when he's carrying the puck through the neutral zone. Uh, you know, good passer, great protecting uh, protecting the puck with his body. You know, he's built like Yaromir Yager. He's about that size. Uses the big rear end to protect the puck and keep defenders off him. So he is the total package when he puts it together, and it looks like he's starting to do that for the Rangers in the playoffs, which is the perfect time to do it. I am just going to tell Luker that I feel his pain because when the Rangers lost Game 5 after I had returned from my Mediterranean cruise, I was already looking for flights back to Rome. <laughs> I asked, uh, I told Jessica, who asks the next question and is also like my best friend and extension of the pod and extension of me, but whatever. Um, I told her that you got home. And she was like, I will pay for him to fly back to Rome. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to tell you that, but like. So if it wasn't we for my. Ship your ass back. I was looking at flights. And if it wasn't for the fact that I wanted to, you know, spend just a little bit of time with my 11 month old daughter, then I would have gladly gone back. But I was looking at flights and I had warned the wife that if they if they lose game five, I am going to be looking at flights and she said if you go back I'm going to kill you and I believed her <laughs> I, I believe I her too her. so I did not go back and look it worked out and the answer to the question is very clearly a heedle backhander holy crap what a shot that was gorgeous and that actually goes well into the next question so from Jess Jess Gillen 312 she says first of all this team and like a bunch of hearts and she asks two questions I'm going to ask them both right now and just pass it right over to Rob. We'll do round robin. First question, favorite thing to stress eat during games? And the second question, which was your favorite goal last night? Mm, okay. Um, I haven't been eating as much this playoff run. You haven't? Um, it's weird. No. It's, it's, and it's really just been like a beer during the first period and a beer during the third period. I kind of just lay out, you know, take a rest during the second. Um but normally Doritos, like I'll just go through a whole bag if I'm really, you know, committed to the stress eating. Um, Cooler Ranch or Spicy Nacho flavor are my are my preferred flavors. Um, so that's the stress eating piece. Favorite goal from last night? It's got to be the Kreider breakaway because that really put the game away. You know, Carolina did make a push. They had a couple of chances. You know, Martinook had a chance like 10 seconds into the third period. Rangers got to stop doing that, by the way, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but, you know, Kreider, just, he gets a breakaway. He's got Slavin coming back on him, one of the best, you know, defensive defensemen in the game. Cuts right in front of him. Slavin's got no chance. Roofs the backhander. And that was his eighth goal of the playoffs. He now has 60 total for the year if you add up his regular season and playoff goals. I think the Ranger record for combined uh, regular season and playoff goals is, of course, Adam Graves, who had 62 
the year the Rangers last won the Cup. So, you know, Kreider really is, you know, even though they're different players, and I think, you know, Kreider's a much more, you know, I, maybe not much more, but is, I think he's a little bit more of a significant leadership player than, than Graves. He's almost becoming like the spiritual, um, you know, uh, predecessor or, or you know, um, what's, I can't even think of the word I'm looking for. But he's like he's like Adam Graves reincarnate for this version of the Rangers and this version of, of the NHL. So um, just a completely uh, hugely important player to this franchise and a guy who is probably going to be a lifer and who's going to mean a lot to a lot of people, um, both players and fans and within the organization. So. Couldn't be happier for him. He really showed up big in the last few games, and they're going to need him again in, in round three for sure. So Kreider's second goal is my favorite. All right. What I stressy? Uh, um, so there are two answers here. I will either stress drink White Claw, or I will stress eat an entire box of Girl Scout Thin Mint cookies. Or I'll do yep. both. Yep. Or Entenmann's cookies, too, for you. I've known you for too long. Entenmann's cookies with scotch. All right, listen, the, you got you to gotta have them separated out. Sorry. Entenmann's sorry, cookies sorry. and scotch, Thin Mints and White Claw. And, yes, you have known me for way too long. Way too long. Um, Just a tremendous amount of time. <laughs> and then the best goal was the Heedle break, quote-unquote breakaway, because he kind of got alone after the turnover. It was 4 nothing. Then it was 4-1, and then the announcers were going, you know, Carolina Cat has the ability to make a push. Heedle scores. Never mind. <laughs> yes, Ray Ferraro said never mind. <laughs> that was awesome. Incredible. But it, it also was a huge goal because there were still, what, 11, 10, 11 minutes left in the game. The Rangers were up only by three. Carolina was obviously pushing for their playoff lives. And Heedle just goes, nah, fuck off. You guys are done. Yeah, that one that one brought me a lot of joy too. That was my favorite goal of last night, as well. Not to steal Dave's, but that was it. Goal theme. Um, sorry. What was my What's my favorite thing to stress eat? Uh, maybe some Snickers candies. You want to tell everyone about your favorite Snickers? Okay. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, the best Snickers ever is Snickers peanut butter. They, like, used to make them broadly, and then they kind of, like, I kind of never saw them. And I don't always, like, get really, like, shit candy. Like, I'll get other stuff to have in the house. I kind of go through phases of, like, what kind of snacks I want to eat or whatever. And I saw this now that, like, I hadn't seen it in so long. We just moved, and now we go to a new grocery store, and they have Snickers peanut butter. So I'm back on, like, a Snickers peanut butter kick. If you've never had them and you like Snickers, and you like peanut butter, I could not recommend them anymore. But also, like, don't live near me and take them all away because I will fight you. There's a limited um, supply, for sure. Yeah. But I guess that, like, I don't know that I... I kind of was, like, stress-eating, like, guac yesterday, but that wasn't even... That was pregame stress-eating. I don't know. I don't know. I think pregame stress eating counts. Uh, you know, especially a day like yesterday. You know, it's a holiday, and that's, you know, it's great to to kind of have that time to just, you know, you think you're going to be able to relax and you're know, with friends and family, no, whatever everyone not. did. But I mean, you're just uh, on edge about the game the whole day. <laughs> so, except for when you're like putting your, you know, toddler near a pool and being terrified she's going to drown because that's how I feel all the time now. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Next question, Michael Silvers. Does Kreider get his number raised to the rafters when he's done? Ooh. Oh, my God. I have a feeling about this, so I'm just going to jump right in. Yeah, and you I'm going to say, if, they, if he wins a cup, please, no one come at me for that. I, that's the answer. I agree. Because, I mean, I, and I already gave my little Kreider spiel two minutes ago here, but... He's going to be a lifer. He's going to have pretty much every goal-scoring record, probably franchise goal-scoring record, to his name. The championship completes the picture. He's definitely not a Hall of Famer. A lot of people think that you should reserve the rafters for Hall of Famers, but um, I think for certain, given the fact that this franchise doesn't have too many championships in its history, in its long, almost 100-year history, Kreider probably, uh, if he's a big part of a cup-winning team, he probably does get the number retired, yeah. Yep. Yeah, gonna make that unanimous. If the Rangers win a cup, 
Yep. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Um, okay. And then our final two questions are similar, so I'm going to lump them together, but um, a little bit different, so we'll have the little nuance there, right? So it's Built to Spill and Immortal Lou, two friends, great friends on the pod. So Built to Spill asks, if Sammy Blay is ready to go, do you put him in for Reeves? Lou asks, if Sammy Blay is able to return in this series, would you personally put him back in the lineup after missing six plus months? So I guess let's let's break it down. Would if Sammy Blay assume he's he's available, would you put him in after missing most of the season? And if that's yes, do you put him in for Reeves? A thousand percent hey, yes to you both. Go first. A thousand percent yeah. yes to both. And that's no disrespect to Ryan Reeves. That I love Ryan Reeves. I think he does everything you need him to do. I don't. I think you still send him out there for warmups. I think you let him say Chesty release us. I think you do all that shit, and then you put Blay in the lineup. Blay against Tampa with fresh legs, and we have to stress the stre- the fresh legs here because the Rangers have played fourteen games over twenty eight days, and they need. Fresh legs, they need somebody who can add a little bit of a scoring touch, a little bit more of a skating touch, and Tampa doesn't really have the guys that Reeves would match up against, for lack of a better phrase. I think Mm -hmm. the Rangers need to be faster. I think the Rangers need to be a little bit better with the puck. I think the bottom six definitely need, well, the fourth line definitely needs to be a little bit better with... Puck control, Mott and Goudreau are obviously upgrades over Hunt and Ru- I don't think, uh, yeah, Hunt and Rooney. I'll give them the upgrade over Rooney there. You got to put Blay in. You got to have somebody who can shoot the puck on that line. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a good question because... Six months is a long time to miss. Or he was injured in November. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be over six months. It's a long time to miss. It sometimes takes guys a good month just to get their legs back and their timing back when they're out for that long. You know, uh, do you want to put a player out there that needs to be getting back up to game speed in the middle of a playoff series against the best, you know, probably the best all-around remaining team? I mean, again... I'm not even going to say no disrespect to Colorado and Edmonton, but they're like giving up goals like it's a roller hockey game on, you know, <laughs> in my hometown of Manalpin on a Thursday night. So um, where the scores are usually eight to seven or 10 to six or whatever it used to be. So um, Tampa is the best team left. Right. And, and nobody can dispute that, even us as Ranger fans. Right. So um, the Rangers can beat them. I, I, I think I'd love to do predictions here before we close out the show. But um that's a tough spot for Sammy Blay, even if he feels great. And I agree, Dave, on the fresh legs point. I think that's a it's an absolutely great point in the sense that yeah, they've played fourteen games in in whatever yeah twenty eight days. They played pretty much every other day since this thing has started. So it's a little bit of a tough call. If you were to put him in, it it is for Reeves. I agree, and uh, for all the reasons Dave said. I mean, he he adds. Uh, he still hits like like crazy too. I mean, Blay hits just as hard as Reeves. He's a big guy, but he's got the the skill and the scoring touch that could make for a just classic playoff fourth line that actually chips in a couple goals. Because really, other than the Tyler Mott empty netter, the fourth line has not produced anything. You know, they've had a couple of decent games where they've kept the puck in the other team's end a little bit more effectively. They've had some scoring chances, but it's been a lot of defending. It's been a lot of you know just chip and chase and get off the ice. Um, they could maybe bring an element with Blay on that line that is a little bit more akin to, again, alluding back to those 2014, 2015 teams, but the Dom Moore type lines that could get in there and score a couple big goals for you. Brian Boyle, you know, those guys had some skill to go along with the grit. So Blay would bring that, you know, you know, you're going to get a little bit more of that from Goodrow as well. Um, so uh, yeah, but it's a tough call because that is no joke coming back from an ACL uh, and having not played any competitive hockey jumping in against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I do want to just point out, like, I would do it, but you don't have to stick to the same lineup every night. So mm-hmm. it could just be like, you know, I, I don't want to say like when or where, but like it doesn't, you know, you don't have to commit to like playing play and taking out Reeves on game one and commit to it for the entire series. So that's just something to think about, too. 
And yeah. one uh, other thing I wanted to add to that from a, you know, he hasn't played in six months or whatever. Hockey coaches are not overly creative. There's like three coaches that run something other than your typical zone defense in the defensive zone and off of the one two two or two one two four check. St. Louis and the Rangers more or less play the exact same style. So Blay ain't gonna miss a beat. It's the same damn system. So yeah. he's if his legs are under him, he's fine. Um there was one more question, but we actually already went over it. So I just want to shout out at Kakioli25 if you were to pick a Rangers series MVP besides Igor Shesterkin, who would it be? We already went through this. Oh, wow. So yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal his, his or her thunder. No, and yeah. that just came in too. Um, and I just want to say right now the score check is 7 to 3. Uh, the Avalanche have seven goals. So the next time anyone talks to me about the Rangers playing an AHL goalie, I just want everyone to know that Mike Smith has been playing in the West this whole time and no one's given <laughs> any of those teams shit. So. Yeah. I yeah, well, I want to like, shout Mike out. Mike Smith is in the conference final. Seriously, people? It's. it's you want? It's like he's like an, not even an AHL goalie. I can't. I I also have like PTSD from him being my fantasy hockey goalie many years ago. So oh, that's yeah. Becky's fair. got a vendetta there, but that's okay. It's, I it's a warranted vendetta. vendetta. It's warranted. No, I want to shout out uh, our one of our good friends and also uh, one of our our pod buddies over on the the Thirty on Broadway podcast, but Brooklyn Joker Nick. Um, he tweeted, all right, well, if we're going to talk about beating backup goalies and how that doesn't count, then Tampa's first cup doesn't count because that was Dallas's backup goalie. I think it was I, I think it was Hudobin, right? Because wouldn't it have been Ben Bishop? I don't know. They also played the Montreal Canadiens in that you know ridiculous four-division format because of COVID last year. So did Tampa's cups not count because they played against like subpar competition? Like this whole thing, the whole discussion's absurd. I'm glad we didn't talk about the Truba stuff, and I'm not going there right now because we want to end the show soon. But all the things that people are making up about that are trying to illegitimize the Rangers are completely garbage. Now, I know nobody outside of, you know, a, a very small and dedicated group of Ranger fans usually listen to this show, but don't believe any of that nonsense. The Rangers deserve to be here. They have as good a chance of anybody now as anybody now of winning the Stanley Cup. And so let's end on that. Uh, I want to get both of your predictions for this series since it does begin on today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Um, and it would end on if it goes seven. I just have to say it, June fourteenth, which is the will be the twenty-eight year anniversary of the last time the Rangers won, won the Stanley Cup. So maybe a little bit, bit of good karma there. Although I don't want it to go seven. Becky, where are you at? What are you predicting in this series? Rangers in six. By the way, these predictions the are going to be published on the blog tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> David. All right, I'm going to go wild and go. You know what? Fuck it. Why not us? Rangers in five. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I can't sit here and disagree and pick Tampa and throw a bucket of cold water on the on the vibes. The season's been all about the vibes. I think the Rangers will win it. It'll probably have to be in seven games if they do, um, which would be insane, and I hope it doesn't happen, but... I'll make Rangers in seven my prediction just because that would fit in with the, the rest of the, the sort of narrative flow of the season. Um, but, Dave, I think to your both of your points, actually, the, the chances of a short series are there. And I think the reason is this. Tampa's going to be rusty in the first game, maybe a couple of games of this series. The Rangers have to. And this is the last point I'll make. If Tampa is off, if they have the type of game that Carolina had in game one, the Rangers cannot squander that opportunity because – they are facing a team that will get its shit together and that will play much better. So if and when Tampa has an off game, whether it's game one, game four, game, whatever it is, you've got to capitalize and win that game. You cannot piss it away. The Rangers pissed away the way the Rangers pissed away game one against Carolina, and it ended up not coming back to bite them because they won the series. Those opportunities may be there in this series because Tampa's probably going to be rusty and they're going to be without Braden Point for at least the first few games. Jump on this team early. Don't play from behind. Don't fall down 0-2 and say, oh, well, we've done this before. That ain't going to work this time. Um, So, Becky, I agree with you that this could be a short series. If it is, it's going to be because Tampa's rusty and the Rangers get on them, you know, early and quickly because they're, you know, riding off the momentum of the Carolina series. So, um, but I agree with you guys. I mean, Tampa's, uh, look, they're going to lose a playoff series eventually, right? So let's hope it's this one. Um, 
Any final thoughts before we sign off and get ready for the Eastern Conference Final? Can't believe I'm saying that. Let's fucking do this. Dave? Deep left. (laughs) (laughs) Dave? Dave is a... He's unsure. Get a Carvel Carvel endorsement right now. Yo, they follow me. Apparently, I had no idea Carvel followed me. <laughs> um, no, we definitely need that that sponsorship now. Yeah, dude, free ice cream cakes for free free ice cream cakes for people that guess the first goal scorer. Um, well, that, that's oh. incredible, actually. <laughs> oh Christ! Any final words? Um, if the Rangers go down and decide to lose the first two games, I will again research flights back to Rome. And I highly recommend Good. a Mediterranean cruise to anybody who's going. Anybody who wants to go to Italy or Greece, oh my god, go go! Uh, reach out to me. I'll plan your trip for you. I don't care. Yeah, Dave wants to be a travel agent on the side, by the way, in addition to his full-time job and his Rangers stuff. So, you know. I don't want to be a travel time. agent. I want to be a professional. I want to be one of those people that gets paid to travel. Well... Yeah. You want to be an influencer? Nobody. No, no, no. You already are an influencer. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm a guy with a website that just happens to be here for 13 years doing this shit. And I love every second of it, by the way. I'm just a guy with a site asking the Rangers to love me. I'm just a guy <laughs> and with Carvel, a site apparently. asking Carvel and to Carvel. sponsor us. <laughs> Uh, this has been a lot of fun as always we'll be back next week it'll be the middle of the series hopefully the series will be slow going on well maybe the Rangers will win it early who knows but we'll be there we'll be there to talk about it Um, you know everybody stay safe out there enjoy the games safely and responsibly because it's only getting more intense from here we love you all and we'll see see you again soon